basically anyone who works for the state of Texas would be considered eligible for this program. That's correct. The only key with that is to be full-time. So being a full-time employee with the state of Texas, or if you have two part-time jobs um, that that would equate to the full-time with the state of Texas, then yes, that's correct. That's amazing. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the ERS Walk & Talk podcast. Today, I am sharing some important information about a program that may save you and your family members a lot of money, and that is the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. For the month of August, we're focusing on financial well-being, and for many state employees, student loans can add additional burden to their financial health. So we're teaming up with Trellis, who is a nonprofit organization based in Austin to provide information on a temporary change to the Student Loan Forgiveness Program, which makes even more people eligible for it. So if you know someone who has student loans, who is employed by a state agency or really any government entity, please share this important information with them. Also, if you're listening to the podcast while you're walking, there's no need to take notes because I will have the links to all the information shared, including the text line, the website, and registration links for upcoming webinars in our show notes. You can easily access them after you're finished with your walk if you are using this to go out for a walk. Um, Just come back and check out the show notes and please share this with anyone you know that may benefit from it because there is a deadline on this program and it's October 31st. So we're really just trying to get this out to as, as many people as we can in hopes that we can help support some of our state employees across the state of Texas and beyond um, before that deadline comes around. So I hope you'll enjoy this informative conversation with Melanie Odoms of Trellis. Here we go. Hi, Melanie. Thank you so much for joining us on the ERS Walk and Talk podcast. Hi, thank you for having me today. It's great to be here. I'd like to start out just by having you talk a little bit about Trellis and what your organization does. Yes. So Trellis, we are a nonprofit organization, our corporation focused on helping people leverage the power of post-secondary education and learning to improve quality of life in the communities basically where we live. So that's kind of our main goals um, of our organization um, and Trellis as a whole. That's great. And specifically this month, well, in at ERS in August and a lot of organizations in August focus on financial health and financial well-being. And given the fact that we have so many state employees that fall under the ERS umbrella, we thought it would be a nice partnership to bring you in to talk about the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program and some of those changes. So can you just give people sort of a a basic understanding of what is Public Service Loan Forgiveness? Yes. So the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program is for individuals working for the following types of organizations. So that's government organizations at any level. So we're talking U.S., federal, state, local, or tribal. Um, That also includes the U.S. military, um, but it also includes not-for-profit organizations and those that are tax-exempt under um, the Section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code. So all of those um, are included. And it's key that the qualifying employment isn't about the specific job that you had with the organization or your title or anything about that. It's about who your employer is. So that's the big thing with public service. It's who your employer and not necessarily the position or job that you do for that company. 
So basically anyone who works for the state of Texas would be considered eligible for this program. That's correct. The only key with that is to be full-time. So being a full-time employee with the state of Texas, or if you have two part-time jobs um, that that would equate to the full-time with the state of Texas, then yes, that's correct. That's amazing. Especially with everything going on with inflation right now, we we just want to help you know, any any way that we could help people save money and, and have this student loans forgiven, it's an incredible resource. But I understand that there are some challenges and there were some news stories over the years that um, I've, I've heard people talking about applications were denied. A lot of people decided not to bother because there's so much work that sort of goes into this process. Is this still true? Um, can you talk a little bit about some of those barriers? Yes, for sure. So initially, Yes, that was a case. Like lots of applications were denied. Um, and a lot of the um, borrowers were denied because they didn't have enough um, or didn't have enough qualifying payments. So one of the requirements, you have to have um, 120 qualifying payments. But and some changes that were made um, were because of that. So over the years, there's been several changes to the public service loan forgiveness program. Um, the limited waiver, that is one of them, um, which is basically intended to reach a broader audience of qualified borrowers. And so it allows individuals who didn't originally meet the qualifying requirements um, because of missing payments or late payments um, or not being on the right plan and things like that to be able to qualify specifically under um, during this limited waiver period that ends on October 31st. So that's why timing is key right now. So even if I have had late payments or I've missed payments, in that 120-month period, I can still be eligible because of this waiver that is currently in, in place, and that is only through October 31st. Is that? That is correct. So as okay. long as you you may have those payments and we're working at a qualifying employer at the same time, then during that waiver, then those payments can count. That's incredible. Okay. So a lot of folks that maybe would have been denied are now eligible, but after October 31st, then it's going to sort of go back to the way it was and and we'll see probably a lot more people being denied. Yes, it's just because you wouldn't get that, the potential extra payments that you missed out on. Of course, those are going to count now, but then after October 31st, it goes back where they're not going to count those payments. Okay, got it. So what would someone do if if I wanted to get if I wanted to get started with this process and start the application what's the first thing that I would need to do So the first thing is to go to the public service help tool, um, which you can access online on studentaid.gov. But the help tool is kind of the first step. And the reason is, is because you go out there and you're going to check your eligibility of your employer. So, um, of course, you're working with the state that's going to qualify. If there's any other employers, you can input that out there. So as you're filling out the help tool, um, then you're going to also be including or filling in the application electronically at the same time. So you put in, you check your eligibility to see if your employer is eligible, and then it will start automatically um, inputting that information on um, the application. Then at that point, you know, you can print or download and then submit to your employer to get certified. 
So start to finish, how long would you say this process would take someone if I started on it today? Um, it, I would say it depends. And I say that because if you have one employer, great, right? So you yeah. could fill in your 10 years worth of service or how, really how many, it doesn't have to even be 10 years, but you can fill in, you only have to do one, put your years of service and that's it. If you have multiple employers, then of course, you know, you have to have the years of service or the years, the dates that you were employed there. So that could be um, a little bit longer, but I won't say it's, um, a necessarily long process, you know, I would say probably 30 minutes or less, you know, assuming that you have your dates, you know, your employer, you do have to know your employer's EIN number. So employer identification okay. number. So um, if you don't have that, though, you can get that from your W-2s or paycheck or from your employer in general. Okay, that's great. Yeah. So about 30 minutes to go through the application process. I heard somebody told me that if you have multiple student loans through different organizations, that those all have to be consolidated to do this. Is that true? So it depends. So during the, if you had loans under um, what's the FEL program, the Federal Family Education Loan Program or Perkins loans, then those are not um, one of the eligibility requirements for public service loan forgiveness. Because one of the requirements is that you have to have a direct loan. So if you have a loan under the FEL or Perkins, then you are you have to consolidate before on or before October 31st of 2022 in order to benefit from public service loan forgiveness. Because if you don't, then your loan is not a direct loan and it would not qualify at all. So this kind of, as we talked about, some white applications were denied in the past, right? Is because individuals had these types of loans and thought, oh, I'm making payments, I qualify, but they didn't have the right direct loan. So if you don't have the direct loan as of now, or maybe you have direct and other Fell or Perkins loans, you can consolidate now or on or before October 31st, and still those loans qualify and get credit for payments that you made on those loans as well. Okay, so if I got those consolidated before October 31st, so all the payments I have made up until this point would count mm -hmm. on that 120 months. But That's if we correct. don't get it consolidated before October 31st, we will not qualify. Yes. Yes. Well, you wouldn't, those payments you made on those loans would not count. So that okay. means only anything after that point, um, well, actually fell loans in general would not count at all because that's the wow. only during this waiver. If you've had direct loans, um, then potentially it just, you would miss out on any prior years that you had been making payments. Okay, so this can get sort of complicated. <laughs> Tell me more about how Trellis can help our members to engage with this program. Like, you know, how, how can somebody get these types of questions answered more personally if folks are listening and, and like, I really, I don't even know what kind of loans I have. Who, who, where do they go? Who do they talk to? Yes. Yeah, so we are going to have four Q&A sessions. So they will be, um, all the time will be central time, but on August 8th um, at 12 p.m., we will have the first one, August 18th at 10 a.m., September 15th is the third one at 10 a.m. as well. And then the last one will be on September 28th at 11 a.m. So they, you can bring your questions. We'll do Q&A kind of like we are today. Um, but then we also will have a website. So on our website, 
um, the trellis company, um, org, And, um, we'll be sending out that the website there, we will have an overview. So it'll be a, a overview video that hopefully, um, that the listeners can watch that first to get kind of a little insight of the program. And then at that point, bring your questions to the Q and a, um, session as well. In addition to those, we will have a text message number and that text message number, um, is 512-359-8838. So you can text questions um, to us that way. Um, so that's another way um, as far as reaching out. And then we will also have an email address. So our email where you can send questions to is pslf at trelliscompany.org. So there's lots of different ways where you can get more help um, about qualifying for PSLF or just asking questions in general. That is so wonderful. So since I just have a couple, I know we have just a little bit more time and it's Financial Health Awareness Month. I was just curious. I know you have been in the financial advising industry for 17 years, I think, according to your bio. I'm just wondering if you have any advice for people that really want to maybe improve their financial health. What do you think people are are struggling with most today? And do you have any just general advice for, for folks that want to do something to improve their financial health? Yeah, I'd say starting with finances and starting to manage them 101 is set a budget. I That is like the step one. And I know sometimes like when I talk with individuals, it's scary. You don't want to do it. You don't want to see where your money's going or, you know, sometimes um, you don't want to be honest with yourself. You don't want to see it. But I say that really setting a spending plan, a budget is 101, meaning you look at your finances, you see how much money is coming in how much money is going out, not only how much is going in and out, where is it going to? Like, are you okay with where it's going? Or do you think there should be a better use of your finances? So are you spending on things that are more um, wants instead of needs, or maybe spending on those wants instead of putting aside for savings or the future, then you can see that. So in that spending plan, you can see, or in your budget, you know, you can see that and then make those necessary adjustments as needed. So really knowing where your finances are, because if you don't, then you don't know what adjustments need to be done. So I would say that's usually step one to try to get you know, just your money, you know, in order is to know how much is coming in, how much is going out. And then if you need to make any adjustments from there. Yeah, such important part of our financial well-being is just figuring out where where's our money going and do we have enough to cover our basic needs. I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, with the Hidden Brain podcast. They were talking about financial challenges that we have and one of the things that really caught my attention, they were talking about how we as humans, a lot of times we'll have um, this mindset around like, oh, this is just a, an exceptional item, like a concert. My favorite band's coming to town. This happens to me all the time in Austin. I'll be like, well, I can't not go to that. And then we think it's just a one-time expense. But if every month you have these one-time expenses that are large, but we don't really see them as a part of our normal budget, that can really throw us off. So um, I don't know if that helps anybody else, but I was like, oh man, yeah, I think that's that's one of, one of the things that I could work on is putting in a special items part yes, of my budget. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And, and that is like either that's entertainment or a friend's budget or something like that, like you can do. And I know like a lot of times people think budget, I, that means I can't do anything with my money. Like that's only 
you know, for that. And and that's not the thing that just allows you to plan better. So if you do want to attend those things, then that's fine. But making sure it fits into your budget and that you're planning for that rather than, oh, great, I do want to go to this concert. It's $100, you know, then what do I need to do? And that's 100 this month, next month, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so building that in, the more preparation um, and anything you're going to spend on, the better. Yeah, such... Great advice. And we are going to be offering lots more webinars during the month and opportunities to talk about financial well-being from different angles. But for our for our ERS participants, our members that may have student loans and may qualify for public loan forgiveness, hopefully this is helpful. I mean, don't don't waste time because October 31st is really when you need to have submitted the application and have some of the things done. If you have more questions, please come back to our webinar specifically to ask questions. We've got, as Melanie said, we've got four different options. So you can come and learn more and figure out how to go through this process and uh, and hopefully share it with somebody else that might need this information because I know Charles is working really hard to get this out to as many people as possible before before that deadline. Yes. And I know like, especially during the, um, the limited waiver period, you know, some individuals, if you don't get in, you could miss out on the program or so much more, you know, payments, um, you know, towards those qualifying payments. So get out there, do those, you know, fill out that application, um, to get that started. You know, I have, I have, I pay, my husband and I paid off our student loans, our final payments during COVID. We used our stimulus money to finish off our our student loan payments. And it's interesting because we paid on those for 17 years. And I, I think we probably would have qualified for public loan forgiveness. I just didn't really know how to go through the process. So I hope we can help some other people save some money. Some of you that may not be so far... <laughs> along the process. Um, you know, don't don't waste time. Do this and, and you know, put, put your application in so that you can save some money for you and your family. And maybe some of that money can go even toward your children's education and, and future education. So um, anything else you want to add, Melanie? Did we miss anything? No, I think um, hopefully we covered, I hope we covered everything as far as to give information um, to our listeners, but 100%. I mean, if there's, and even with this public service, I know some people think, well, I don't have 10 years right now. I don't apply. And that's not the case. Like, even if it's only one year, two year in, or you're with the waiver, you can get an additional one year. It doesn't mean that you have to have the 120 payments right now. It's just you want to get as much credit for any payments that you can. So then you can get closer to the 100, you know, to that 120 or 10 year period. So that's kind of the goal, you know, is to hopefully, you know, that we can get the message out there to let as many people know as qualify to benefit from the program. That's the whole intention, you know, is for individuals to benefit, not just programs created and then no one sees a benefit for it. So, um, you know, so hopefully we get the message and, you know, even if it's only one extra year that you get or you start applying now, um, hopefully um, that will just get you one step closer to getting that loan forgiveness. All right, Melanie. Well, thank you again for the opportunity to talk about this incredible program and for all your organization is doing to help support state employees across the state of Texas. I'm looking forward to our webinars and future events and opportunities to support our state's workforce. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. We look forward to working together and on these future Q&As to hopefully get everyone's questions answered and get them on their way as well. Perfect. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to learn about this important program, uh, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program and the waiver that is going to be in place through October 31st. As we said earlier, you know, I just hope you'll share this with somebody who may need to hear it. I know that not all of our Walk and Talk listeners have student loans, but I hope that you can be the access point or the link for some other folks that may benefit from this incredible opportunity. All right, y'all have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you on the next one. Take care.